the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome to a special quarantine edition of the Conference USA Underdog Podcast. Hope everyone is staying well and staying safe out there. Uh, as we kind of adjust to you know the new normal and deal with the uh, temporary cancellation of sports, uh, Joe Lonergan, Eric Henry here. Uh, we're going to continue to bring you coverage of Conference USA football and uh, continue with you know what we we started doing prior to all this craziness, and that's doing a deep dive into each and every team in CUSA review 2019 and uh, see what we have to look forward to in the upcoming 2020 college football season. Uh, Before we dive into our guest, uh, Eric Henry, I know it's been a minute since we checked in last time. I believe we were uh, interviewing coach Butch Davis and that seems like an eternity ago now before, uh, you know, we were not allowed to go outside. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about it. I remember when we were talking to coach Davis, it was in, in the middle of anticipating that I'd be able to, Head down to Miami and start covering spring football on Monday. That upcoming Monday, that obviously isn't the case. Uh, instead, it is now, uh, what is this, Thursday? All the days feel the same at this point. It's Thursday, March 2nd, and I'm on my fifth bowl of Lucky Charms. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> life comes up to pass, right? Nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to be fair, that's uh, five bowls of cereal seems like a pretty normal day for someone like me who works from home constantly. We're, we're what's known as OG social distancers, everybody. Um, so let's jump into our guest here. Uh, Mr. Evan Dudley, you might know him from his work covering UAB football as well as Alabama high school football for AL.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Dudley Do Right AL. Uh, very clever Twitter name. Mr. Dudley, welcome back to the show. It's nice to have you back on the program. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, glad to be back. Yeah, I know we I know we like having you back as well. How are you kind of adjusting as a uh, you know a beat writer and a, a local a local sports guy to all of the you know crazy things going on in the world right now? Oh yes, uh, personally, uh, it's pretty much affected me a good bit just because I have absolutely no work to do, uh, as pretty much a lot of people do as far as actual coverage. Uh, UAB had started spring practice, so luckily I was able to get about two weeks worth of a. Uh, information and reporting done and uh you know i got a couple features i've been working on i'm just kind of kind of going to release them here and there and uh got a whole slew of stuff just to kind of go down you know the roster and you know uh depth chart stuff like that but uh, you know i got enough information from that to do a little bit of reporting the next couple weeks but after that that's pretty much all we've really got going on besides you know andy kennedy being hired there was a little bit of that going on you know a week after all the conference tournaments were canceled so I had a little bit of a news rush there, but uh, as well as uh, Alabama is one of the states that's canceled all their spring sports already. So I think that's one of seven states right now, and they might they might have might have been a couple other states added to that in the past few days. But uh, one of the very few states that's already canceled all of its spring sports. So uh, that's pretty much killed anything for the rest of the semester. So hopefully it's just staying home, writing, uh, doing some odd jobs here and there, and. Uh, Pretty much keeping up my normal daily life since the only other thing I do is go to Birmingham for uh, for coverage, you know, of UAB events. So uh, I'm pretty much doing the same thing I usually do: stay at home and rot. Yeah, sounds like a plan. I know we're all kind of adjusting to this uh, as it goes, and certainly a bummer with uh, spring sports being canceled. Hopefully, we get those back. Uh, tying back into UAB football specifically, from what you've seen, how is the program kind of adjusting to the uh, new temporary normal with COVID nineteen? Uh, well, it's kind of interesting. Um, whenever this all kind of kind of really started going down, uh, they had just 
I believe the last thing I was at was Wednesday. That was the Wednesday that most of the conference tournaments started getting canceled, uh, or at least a couple of them. I think it was later that night when they started getting canceled, and then Thursday it, it was kind of the day that everything kind of came to a screeching halt, if we will. Um, but at that point, they had a scrimmage, and at that point, they were all going their way for spring break. So there was already kind of a – they knew where they were going at that point. And then when they extended spring break for a second week before making the decision to make online classes for the remainder of the semester, uh, I mean, everyone was pretty much going to be where they were going to be. They were going to be going home, you know, because it was spring break. So everyone's kind of already in their place. But at the same time, there's still some guys, you know, they're local, so they're going to be in Alabama. Uh, but from what I've seen, you know, guys are still working out. They're trying to, you know, do their own home workouts, anything they can do to stay in shape, uh, you know, just not knowing when this is going to, you know, come to a conclusion or, you know, even as early as it is, you know, no one, you know, some people try to speculate about a season right now, you know, and it's just way too early to do that. But, you know, these guys are staying, uh, staying good. Uh, there's actually a uh, story came out today. Uh, UAB's uh, media relations uh, put it out that uh, Coach Clark and his wife donated a, uh, uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, maybe about $10,000 worth of uh, supplies and foods to some uh, local area uh, local area things uh, in Birmingham, but that just came out a couple hours ago. But uh, a, lot of, a lot of people are trying to get out and do whatever they can. Certainly admirable that Coach Clark and his wife are taking those steps. Hopefully more and more coaches around the country continue to follow that example. Uh, before we speculate about next season, as you mentioned, uh, let's think back to happier times in the 2019 football season. Uh, Evan, I think the highlight for this UAB team in 2019 was the defense, had the number one scoring defense in all of Conference USA last season. As someone who knows the ins and outs of this team uh, better than most why do you think the defense had such success last season? Uh, I think a lot of it, they had some really key leaders in there. And you also had two two leaders also go down early. And Bronte Harris, who was lost, I believe, the second day of practice. So, you know, season-ending injury, uh, one of the great defensive backs, you know, along with uh, Mick Robertson last year. You know, those are going to be, you know, some of the best defensive backs uh, in the league last year. But Bronte gets hurt uh, the first game uh, against Alabama State. Jerry and Shreve, their star defensive back, he goes down for the year. So they lost two big leaders. So I think that just kind of maybe raised the sense of urgency along that team. You had Garrett Marino on the defensive line, Fitzmitch, Fitzmitch uh excuse me, Fitzgerald Mofor, <laughs> I completely messed up that name. Sorry, Fitz. Uh, he was in the linebacker. So you had sen- you had senior leadership in er- and in almost every single uh, position group. So they were able to kind of take that, and, and especially with the injuries, they were able to you know take that sense of urgency and just you know kind of keep that standard that they've been raising themselves the past couple of seasons. And when you have an offense that at times you know was turning the ball over or you know wasn't able to consistently move the ball at times, especially when when they started getting injuries themselves because the offense probably took the brunt of the injury bug last year. But the defense really just felt it within themselves to kind of step it up. And plus, you got guys like Kyle Tatum and Nick Gentry coaching that front seven. Uh, Those are guys that played at Alabama. Nick Gentry played under Nick Saban. These are guys who know that kind of defense, that attacking defense, and how to get in there and affect the quarterback. They were certainly fun to watch throughout all of last season. Uh, Switching gears to the offense, one of the highlights on that side of the ball for the Blazers was receiver Austin Watkins, who, if I'm not mistaken, is a cousin of Sammy Watkins, who, of course, is playing in the NFL right now. Uh, What do you expect from him in his upcoming final collegiate season here? 
Well, last season he became the third UAB player to get a thousand yards in a season. He joined uh, Derek Ingram, who was one of the the first uh, UAB players when they became a program, uh, not just as a club level team, but actually playing a. I think it might have been Division Three schedule when they actually went uh, went to an official team into the NCAA. But he had two one thousand yard seasons. Then obviously you have Roddy Watt, who became an All Pro receiver. It was one of the first round picks for UAB. One of their I think two or three first. I think they got two, but uh, might be mistaken. I think it might be three. But anyways, uh, you have a uh, Roddy White thousand yard. Then Austin became the third one. And just looking at him in spring, those first two weeks, I think he's a little bit bigger. I think he's a little bit faster, a little bit leaner. Uh, I think he's definitely got his sights set on a uh, receiving record, the school's receiving record, and just the way they play this offense. I mean, there's no. There's no really a uh, limit to what he can do as far as production because they're going to try to air it out. That's, I mean, Tyler Johnson loves to throw the long ball. You know, if, if we all remember Rex Grossman from Florida many years ago, you know, Rex Grossman was a big fan of the long ball. Tyler Johnson is very much like him. And Tyler right now just needs to really kind of become a little bit better of a decision maker because he likes to try to fit things in, maybe a little bit overconfident at times on what he can do with the ball. But, you know, he's got a lot of confidence, which is also good. But as, as long as he turns those turnovers down, I think Watkins is just going to be an even, you know, a bigger component of that offense. I mean, he already carried a – ooh, I think I've got a number here somewhere. Oh, I can't find it. But um, a good percentage of the passing offense last year was Watkins, uh, you know, not just uh, Myron Mitchell and Kendall Parham themselves, but um, Watkins, you know, was just such a big proponent of that offense. But uh, – uh, but, you know, they got their running backs back. They got an offensive line back that's experienced, unlike last year where they only returned one starter. So the offense is kind of set to really be more than what it was last season. Interesting to see how that will play out. And I know we've uh, described Tyler Johnson's play style in similar uh, verbiage on this show many times. So interested to see how he develops uh, going into 2020 as well. Um, Speaking of next season, I know one of the dates that Blazer fans most likely have circled on their calendar is that matchup against the Miami Hurricanes uh, in Miami in September. What are your early thoughts on that UAB versus Miami matchup coming up in a few months? I think that's going to be a. I think that's going to be a good game. I'm I'm actually quite excited about it. Hopefully, you know, I'll be able to come down there and uh, cover that game. Uh, been to Miami a few times myself, you know, enjoy it. You know, I haven't had Cuban coffee in about a year or so, so I need to get me some of that and <laughs> kind of get my blood flowing. <laughs> but uh, love sure. Miami. I think it's going to be a great game. You get some guys from South Florida on this UAB team. Uh, UAB likes to go in to South Florida. They had a guy, Brian Williams, a former linebackers coach. He's with uh, Maryland right now. Uh, he's from the South Florida area, so he really made that a, a point of emphasis in their recruiting, and they continue that to this day. You got Chris Mole, who's going to be a senior. Uh, he's going to be a Defensive Player of the Year candidate this year in the league, um, and that's going to be he's going to be going to his hometown. He's from Miami, so I mean, I, I I'll guarantee you right now that man will have double digit tackles that day. I'll go ahead and make that bet right now. But uh, if you look at the way Miami's played the last two games against uh, Conference USA opponents, they have not went so well. They're currently 0-2 against the Conference USA within the calendar year, and it could be 0-3 with the defense that UAB is bringing back. And, yes, uh, Miami's got Derek King, but, I mean, Derek King also has not played football in a year. And the last time there was a big you know, transfer buzz in Miami, well, that guy didn't even get the start. 
uh, Tatemar or Sellis or whatever his name, wherever he may be now, who knows? He's off in the wind somewhere. Uh, but you know, I, I don't. I, I just don't get so excited about you know big transfer QBs coming in and everyone getting so excited, especially when you've got much bigger problems in an offensive line that looked like it had no idea what it was doing last season. I watched a few Miami games, especially that first game, and I mean. Florida just destroyed their offensive line. So that's going to be a key right there. If they can't get that offensive line, then UAB's defense will feast on that offense. Defensively, Miami's going to have some players. They're just going to have some players defensively. That's just, you know, the way it is. It's just one of those certainties in life. That's Miami. You know, I, I love, you know, I'm an Alabama guy. So there's, you know, we have a lot of great games with uh, Miami back in the day, but also love that Miami swag, and you know, especially that defensive swag. So they're going to have some of that there. So that's going to be probably the big point of that game is offensively, how UAB can attack them offensively. Absolutely. And it's clear the Hurricanes don't concern you too much, but uh, what does concern you about UAB football in 2020? Hmm. Uh their offensive line, uh, it's it's got a lot of experience coming back, so I think that's going to be a key piece on their offense. That's going to allow their receivers to flourish. It's going to allow the running backs. You got uh, Jermaine Brown Jr., or who was excellent as a true freshman last year. You got Spencer Brown, who's actually participated in two weeks of spring, which is the first spring he's ever participated in because he's going through a routine off-season surgery. So the offense, I feel pretty good about it. It's just it would be Tyler Johnson's development. You know, he has to control that offense. He has to keep those turnovers down. Uh, that was the biggest Achilles heel for UAB last year was turnovers. They they turned the ball over in opportune times. Sometimes it was just a bad bounce. Bad bounce. You look at the App State game uh, in the bowl game, there were two bad bounces, One of them, and both of them went App State's way where, you know, UAB had a fourth down stop. Ball is fumbled, bounces up into a running back's hands, and he runs it in for a touchdown. Uh, almost the same play, Tyler Johnson's about to get a first down, and he gets hit, and he fumbles, and then App State recovers. So it's things like that, just bad ball bounces and turnovers is what is what they really got to concentrate on this year. Defensively, uh, the only question defensively might be defensive line where you lose Garrett Marino, but you get and you have a lot of younger guys. But those younger guys have played Fish McWilliams, Antonio Moultrie, Michael Fairbanks, Tony Fair. A lot of these guys have played as younger players, so they're going to have that experience. But offensively, I think it's I think it really comes down to Tyler Johnson and his progression this year. Certainly makes sense. Appreciate that insight. I'll turn it over to my good buddy Eric Henry for the uh, next line of questioning here. So, Evan, I'm going to pick up right where you left off. I'm not done with the uh, Tyler Johnson the third line of uh, interrogation just yet. So, in looking at his stat line, because as Joe mentioned, you know, when he was questioning you, that we've mentioned his play on this podcast, you know, kind of being up and down or somewhat uh, mercurial, difficult to understand. And I was looking at his stat line right here, and in 14 of his starts, and he started for about a season and a half, he's had at least one turnover. So, my question for you is this. It's a two-part question. One, um, who do you expect him to be next year, just in your own personal opinion? And two, is there any chance that Dylan Hopkins could provide some type of push? I think, uh, well, to answer the first part, I think Tyler is going to be a, a bit different of a QB. I think he understands where he, uh, well, I guess where his negative uh, qualities are in that turnover. Because like you said, you look at those sets, it's almost a turnover a game. I think I've actually looked, 
looked into that myself at some point because I think at one point last year it was almost two turnovers a game because if you look at their losses, it was turnovers. All their wins are he may have one, but you look um, you look at Western Kentucky had four turnovers. Uh, Tennessee, four turnovers, and then he didn't play again until conference championship game, but then Dylan Hopkins had about two or three turnovers against Southern Miss. So, uh, like we all said, turnovers. But Tyler Johnson, I think he understands what he's got to get through. The receivers are a little bit more experienced. You lose Kendall Palm, but you still get more experienced receivers in there, and he's going to have to open up that game and not just rely on Austin Watkins itself. I mean, don't get me wrong. Watkins is a great option to go to, but he's going to have to get it out to the tight ends. He's going to have to get it out to the other receivers, uh, Marcus Grossman in the new slot receiver, uh, Myron Mitchell on the other outside. He's going to have to deliver the ball out there, and he's going to have to not take as many chances. I think in Tyler's mind, you know, him and his brother both committed to UAB. They are both really connected to Clark and his family. Uh, Lyle Henley, the strength and conditioning coach, their family brought Vincent to OC because they all knew each other when they were younger down in the Mobile, Mobile, Alabama area. When Clark was serving as defensive coordinator for South Alabama, Bryant Vincent was a high school head coach. Uh, Lyle Henley was running a professional, uh, you know, gym for uh, for football players, you know, uh, training to go into the NFL. You know, many NFL prospects actually know him, and he trained them. I think uh, I had Ryan Anderson from Alabama actually retweet a story of mine that I wrote about Lyle. So, you know, this guy knows a lot of guys, but they were all in South Alabama around the same time, and they all grew to know one another. So I think with Tyler, I think it's because Tyler might cares too much. Uh, I liken it to maybe uh, John Parker Wilson at Alabama in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, the last year of Shula, Mike Shula, Don Shula's uh, son, and uh, Nick Saban. And John Parker Wilson at times may have done too much, and I think it comes from the fact that he cares and he's willing to do whatever he can to try to get the win. Now, sometimes that's positive, sometimes that's negative, and that's where it just comes into really – playing the game, you know, letting it come to you, you know, not trying to overdo things, you know, playing within yourself, playing within the system, you know, listening to your coaches and not taking too many risks because you're still going to have to take, take risks. This is football. You're going to have to take, take those risks. Uh, now going to the second part of your question, I think Dylan Hopkins can push a little bit. I believe Dylan Hopkins is going to still be a part of this offense because of his running ability. He's a, a little bit quicker step than Tyler. And I think with the way they run their offense, because they're going to run QB power, they like to do that. Obviously, they like to run with the running backs. They got big running backs like Spencer Brown. You got Lucius Stanley. And like I mentioned before, uh, Brown Jr. That uh, all these guys, you know, they're great runners, and you're going to have to run with your QB, too. And I think to lessen that load, you're going to have to bring in Dylan Hopkins. And they did that early last year, and I think that helped a little bit with Dylan whenever he had to take over besides that Southern Miss game where they really just took a Tyler Johnston game plan into Hattiesburg instead of a Dylan Hopkins game plan. But I think he's going to be able to push Tyler a little bit. As far as throwing, he still has got to um, improve a little bit on that, but I think he can. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch how they use both those QBs this year. Once again, we're talking to Evan Dudley, who covers UAB Sports or AL.com, does a phenomenal job covering the Blazers outside of when he's being accosted by a faceless Twitter troll for not pursuing Andy Kennedy coverage. <laughs> that aside, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Spencer Brown, a guy you touched on earlier, you know, 
he had a phenomenal first two years at UAB, 1,000-yard rusher as a freshman. I believe he had over 1,200 yards as a sophomore. And then got banged up towards the end of his sophomore year. And then last year, never really got going because of injuries. One, um, two-part question there. First part of it is, do you feel that, you know, maybe Spencer Brown just kind of reached his carry limit as a running back where he's just, you know, had so many carries and maybe he can't get back to that, you know, being 1,000-yard rusher uh, that he was before? And the second part of the question is, if he isn't that guy, um, will it be a running back by committee? I know you've mentioned some of the backs in the earlier line of question with, with, uh, with Joe, but just if it's not going to be Spencer Brown, it's kind of that bell cow guy, which Bill Clark has shown preference to, you know, giving one back a ton of carries. Um, who is it going to be the uh, running back by committee and who will be the running backs who will fill out that committee? Uh, with Bill, uh, he's a lot like a, a lot of coaches. Best guy is going to be on the field. The best guy to help them in a position to you know put them in a better position to be successful. That's going to happen. With Spencer, though, Spencer's kind of proven himself, but he's also these last two years. There's just been some odd circumstance, like you said. Uh, he gets 1,200 yards his uh, sophomore season, but he gets hurt a little bit near the end of that. I believe he had a foot injury. Uh, he only had one carry in the last game of the season before the Conference USA Championship game. Then he came in, ran well in that game. Uh, last year, at the beginning of the season, he was able to get the all-time uh, record at UAB uh, during the Western Kentucky game. They never really kind of got going early in the season. I think that might be more so with them having to work with that offensive line. Uh, the fact that you had offensive line injuries within those first, you know, four or five games also hampered that development of the offensive line, which just was even harder for Spencer Brown to, you know, find lanes and make room in there, uh, you know, despite, you know, all of this going on. And then he gets hurt. Uh, I believe that was the his first play of the Ross of the Ross game. I think the uh, marathon six seven hour game in Birmingham that I didn't get home till about two three o'clock in the morning that day. <laughs> and we I think we had about three hours worth of rain delays. But he gets hurt. I believe on their first drive, first play, his first carry, he gets hurt and he's out until the Southern Miss game. I believe he got a couple carries Southern Miss game just to try to give him a spark, but he never really got going. It wasn't until Utah where you could see a little bit of that, that a little spark, a little bit of flash of what you saw Spencer during his freshman season or early in his sophomore season. And he, he kind of got that cleaned up. Uh, you know, he was able to start get going a little bit more there at the end of the last season. And even though we, they had a shortened spring practice this year, you know, with this whole virus uh, thing going on, we got a. He, this was the first spring that he's actually participated in. He was a. He was not an earlier enrollee whenever he signed with UAB, so he didn't participate in early spring then. And the, the last uh, few springs that he's been there, he's been recovering from off-season surgery. You know, just routine. You know, knee scoping. All you know, all the regular things that running backs have to go through during the off-season. This is the first time that he was actually on the field for spring, so I think he's feeling a lot better. And I think with the experience of the offensive line coming back, the offense that can open up with the receivers and tight ends that they have, I think Spencer can can become what he was before. You know, be able to uh, put up the numbers he has, but I think maybe he can do it in less number, in less carries. Which kind of goes into your second question that. There's times I kind of do feel that maybe he's reached that limit because he was relied on so much when he was a younger player, you know, his freshman and sophomore years. And that was something that was, you know, I kind of thought about this season, you know, would he declare for the draft? I mean, he didn't have the kind of season he wanted to, obviously, this year. And I think that would be the main reason to stay. But also you look at just how many carries he has had, and he's one of those guys that takes a lot of carries 
you know, would he want to go because, you know, the lifespan is so short these days. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a guy who's all for running back running bats going early if they can, you know, because, you know, you got to get the most out of your wheels because that's just the way the game is played now. It's so much more brutal than it once was. So you got to get your carries out unless you're, you know, Derrick Henry and then you're just a large mass of muscle anyway. But uh, But I think with the way the offense can work this year, I think he can – he can become a little bit sleeker of a runner, not worry about just, you know, pounding over and over and over and become, you know, more of an efficient runner so much more than just a power runner where he may have less carries, but he can produce the same quality results. You know, Evan, you mentioned there in that answer that uh, that marathon game of Rice. And let's just, you know, take a step back from UAB for a second and just ask you personally, what was that game like to cover? I mean, I know I haven't experienced anything like that. I had, um, we had a lightning delay two years ago. I believe it was the Arkansas Pine Bluff game that delayed an FIU start by 45 minutes. But that's, I mean, that's nothing. That's an afternoon shower in South Florida. What was that like to cover? It was interesting to say the least. And it was actually, I believe, my second lightning delay game in as many years. I think I've been through three or four lightning delays at UAB, not at UAB, but, uh, you know, just covering the past few years. I know 2000, uh, 18, it was at Louisiana Tech. We had about a, an hour delay there. Some thunderstorms came in right there about five, six o'clock before kickoff. But the Rice game was, it was something else. Cause I mean, you're, you're there, it gets going and then all the storms hit and then you're, you're there for about an hour. And then they're like, nope, can't do it. We gotta go back in. And then as soon as they come back out, there's another flash of lightning. So they gotta go back in. And I think at one point we had almost a, Two hours straight delay, uh, and I think, like I said, about three, maybe four hours total of delay in that game. But it was, I, th- I guess, if anything, because UAB was actually kind of leading whenever they went to the first, uh, uh, the first delay there, and they were leading by. I don't remember how much they were leading by. <laughs> that game's almost a blur to me at this point, but. I just remember uh, pretty much getting everything I could already written uh, besides my quarter-by-quarter quarter analysis. You know, I already had a uh, sidebar pretty much ready to go. All I had to do was grab a couple of quotes after the game. I pretty much had all my stuff done by the time we got started back in the second half. So I was just filling in the blanks. So it's kind of an easy game to cover, but it was just like, a, like you said, it was a marathon. You just had to grill yourself through it and just wait there. I mean, I, Probably walked outside Legion and had probably, you know, almost four or five cigarettes during delays, just, you know, nothing to do and just, you know, nerves of, you know, when we're going to get this thing going, you know, you know, are we going to be able to even get it going again? Because we were getting near that uh, 11 to 11 o'clock, 12 midnight uh, NCAA rule where they can't start back over that night. Yeah, I remember being at the press box uh, at Ricardo Silva Stadium after the UMass game. I think we all just hung around and waited to see if that one would ever start back up and by the time one o'clock is like, all right, they're not going to finish up one time soon. So I'll, so I'll get out of here and go home. But uh, next question I got for you, the linebacking core there at UAB, you know, they're a real good group. And you mentioned one of the guys here, Chris Mole, the native of Coral Gables High School down in uh, South Florida. <laughs> Just want to ask you, how good can this linebacker group be? I think this UAB linebacking group can be one of the best linebacking groups in the country, you know, regardless power five, group of five, whichever, however you want to, you know, say that, you know, I don't like to use terms like that. You know, I think everyone, you know, kind of deserves their shots, you know, you know, all the guys are working and playing and everything like that. Although I'm an Alabama grad, so maybe I don't work 
and knows that UCF championship. <laughs> I'm sure some of your listeners might hate me for that one, but that's okay. Roll time. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, Evan. But anyways, uh, you know, uh, what was the original question? I, I got I got on a, a tangent there. No, 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 you're fine. I, I had to jump in with the UCF line as well. Um, but the original question was, how good do you think this linebacker group can be? Yes, the linebacker crew. All right, these guys, these guys are going to be incredible. Besides Chris Mole, you also got Noah Wilder, who's like a Chris Mole clone. Uh, this guy is going to get double-digit tackles. Uh, excuse me, double-digit tackles himself. He was in the top three or four tacklers. Uh, I think he might have been the second leading tackler on the team behind uh, Chris Mole. And they're both middle linebackers. They're both going to be right there in the middle. Uh, a position change this spring was to bring Jaren Street, who started out as defensive back last year, the nickelback, and they've made, made him a middle linebacker now, which was his high school positions where he started at, at Ole Miss before transferring back to UAB, became a running back his first year, was going to be defensive back last year, got hurt. Uh, Dejon Turner kind of took that role and ran with it, so he's kind of locked in that uh, that nickelback position. So they took Jaren is like, let's just move you back to your other natural position of linebacker. And it's almost frightening to think of them having three middle linebackers on the field with Jaren Street, Chris Small, and Noah Wilder. I, I don't think there's anyone that could even run past those guys. And beyond those middle linebackers, you got the outside guys, the the pass rushers. And those guys might be the scariest men on the team. You got Jordan Smith and Alex Wright. Those dudes are humongous. They are the guys that Nick Gentry, uh, the outside linebackers coach, he, those are the guys he's been getting. Stacy Keeley was a monster like that. Uh, uh, Jamal uh, Garcia Williams a couple years ago, he was like that. Just a huge, tall, I mean, like six, 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 seven. You know, these guys are about 250, you know, almost. 270. I mean, just humongous guys, but they're also fast and strong. And, uh, you know, having Jordan Smith and Alex Wright, who was only a true freshman last year, but, you know, just had an incredible season. Uh, I mean, it, those that front seven, I mean, it, it's just so scary. I just don't see how – really, I don't see how anyone in Conference USA is going to be able to run on that group, number one. And at that point, you're going to have to throw into a secondary that returns four cornerbacks with starting experience, you know, at least, you know, a season's worth of starts. So uh, the, the, the whole defense is going to be just, you know, absolutely tight and, you know, destructive. But that linebacking core might be the scariest thing on that team, just with what they got in the middle and then on the outside coming at you. Two more, and we'll get you out of here. I'm uh, going to start with this one. It's, it's kind of a cliche question. I personally, I, I, I kind of hate it when I get the question, but I think it fits here in relation to UAB football. Given everything they've been through, given the, the, the shutdown, and just being honest, their lack of success prior to being shut down, and then with the rebirth and their, you know, just relative level of, of success, you know, being through the roof post, um, post, uh, you know, kind of resurrection. What's the feeling for this UAB football program? You know, are are they a team that can uh, be maybe that, you know, we'll use a UCF example, that kind of a group of five heavyweight, and I, and I know you, you hate that term, uh, or are they kind of just, you know, what they are now, which is a, a solid Conference USA contender, and that more or less is who they will be? I think what they've, what, what they've kind of uh, made their standard is to be a solid, you know, their standard is a solid, Conference USA contender. They're going to contend every sing, single season in this league under Bill Clark. That is that is the feeling of this program. Now, what Bill Clark also wants to do is make it more national, and they recruit nationally. You know, they're getting out west coast. They, you know, 
they kind of went away from the JUCO recruiting a little bit. They're still going to hit JUCO uh, transfers. You know, all those schools will do that. Um, you know, and they're going in. They've kind of left Texas alone. They're going into California still, Mississippi, Kansas, the three of the main JUCO states in uh, in this country, especially Mississippi uh, with offensive linemen. Because I don't know spending time in Mississippi, but some big old boys there that can you know push you around in Mississippi. I, I spent a few years there going to school, so I know Mississippi boys like that, and uh, they got quite a few of them on their offensive line. But you know they're they're getting national guys from around. You know they're hitting Miami, South Florida is a big point for them. They're starting to get to Memphis and Atlanta now recruiting, so they're, they're they're bringing a whole bunch of different guys out from there. And with the defensive staff they have and the defense that they keep having, they're going to attract more guys because they're going to want to play in a defensive system like they're playing. That's going to say, look, we're going to attack almost every play. We're an attacking defense, and it's going to be a fun defense to play in. So they're going to get guys. And I think that's going to elevate the program because, you know, defense wins championships. That's what's going to – that's what makes a program is having that, that standard of defense in your system and as well as a priority on, you know, creating an offensive line that can control the line of scrimmage. Because that's what football comes down to, defense, line of scrimmage. I mean, I don't understand why NFL GMs go about, you know, drafting all these QBs or running backs in the first round. It's like – take the best offensive linemen and defensive players available. You can get your skill guys in free agency. Cause you see some of these QBs get drafted and they amount to nothing. And it's like, I would have never, I would have never drafted that guy. Like, you know, this Oregon guy, he might end up being good Herbert, but honestly, I would not draft that man in the first round. There's only two first rounders to me this year. And that's Tua and Burrow. Everyone else is, you can get later on and develop. But I mean, it, it all comes down to that offensive line, that defensive mentality. And I think, with what Bill does there at UAB, that's going to rise that program. Plus, their facilities are very nice. I know UTSA's, uh, they're starting on some new facilities, too, that's going to raise their program a little bit. And then um, they got a new stadium. I mean, this next year will be the last year in Legion Field, and then they have Protective Stadium coming. Uh, it's going to be about 40,000, 45,000, with uh, the ability to add in, um, you know, I think about 10,000 uh, temporary seating, too, you know, for much larger games if they ever get ever get a you know a major program to come in do like a home and home or a you know home away a home kind of series of, you know two for one series or anything like that but i think with that it will just continue the race plus they're in smack dab in birmingham and birmingham leads the country every single year for almost the past 20 years in college football watching i mean it, we watch the most college football of any area in the country in smackdown in birmingham and and I think that's also what can attract, you know, eventually maybe UAB to, you know, maybe get to the American Conference with their old Conference USA rivals. Although I know a lot of people in Conference USA are wanting to get there themselves. So it's going to be interesting to see when that kind of develops too. But I think what Bill is doing with this program and be able to raise it to a national level will help that progress. Definitely agree with you there as far as how to build a program, how to build a winner. You look at the past winners of Conference USA, and you can't argue that they uh, may have had star quarterbacks. Look at FU, Chris Robinson, but they've also had success up front and on the defensive line. But final question before we get you out of here. Uh, there was a trending topic on Twitter recently, Evan, uh, talking about uh, sports writers, maybe for those who have gone to games, and it was best stadium and worst stadium. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave you a choice of two questions here, which is, you can take the the trending topic, which was, you know, what's the best stadium you've been to and what's the worst stadium you've been to in your uh, your career covering games? Or what is the best press box meal you've had as someone who uh, is a connoisseur of press box meals myself? Ooh, press box meals. Ooh, good question, good question. UAB, UAB gets some good stuff from time to time. Uh, 
honestly, if you want the best press conference food, I'll tell you it's UAB because we get breakfast. Some people get sandwiches. Some people get barbecue for the press conferences because maybe they're at lunchtime or in the afternoon. UAB does their press conferences 10 o'clock Monday morning, and we get grits and eggs, biscuits. I got Ted, the SID, Ted Philly, UAB's SID. He added gravy this year. That was my personal request. And so we got gravy this year for the biscuits. So I'll tell you right now, best press conference food is UAB, hands down, because they got breakfast. And, hey, why would anyone else eat anything other than breakfast foods? Thank you, Ron Swanson. But uh, as far as press box food, uh, I had the – fortunate pleasure of covering Texas high school football for a season when I first graduated. I was living in Mineola, Texas, and uh, actually covered their school winning a the 2016 uh, 3A Division I Texas State Championship. So I went through 16 games of Texas high school football because it's almost an NFL season to get all the way to the championship. And the uh, I'll tell you one thing. The championship game in Jerry World Cowboy Stadium, the press watch food was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like hot dogs and crappy hamburgers. It was no good. But the high schools had some probably the best food because, you know, someone would have, you know, homemade chili. Some would have brisket ready for you <laughs> in their press boxes. And, you know, they have some good old boys just cook up some barbecue for you. And so that's pretty good. But I've also had some other, uh, some pretty good places and some college uh, game days, I think. Texas, well, Texas A&M and other Texas, they had some good brisket and some actual pork barbecue, which I was surprised because uh, pork barbecue in Texas, unfortunately, is a travesty. But their brisket is the best there is because well, they're a cow state. You know, they don't do a lot of they don't do a lot of swine that way. Of course, I'm in Alabama, so you know, I grew up on the swine. But uh, but I would have to say, you know, probably Texas has probably got the best because you know they're they're you know especially high school because they just got some folks that are just gonna cook up as much good food as they can and put in the press box because you don't really have to watch uh walk the sidelines in Texas they'll put you up in the press box if you're covering high school football because it's just that big there. I'll end of this end it with this where I pass it back to Joe. One, I'm gonna send a request to uh, Tyson Rogers if he's listening. If I use SID, I would uh, absolutely request some uh, some grits and gravy and biscuits in the morning. Uh, for those uh, yeah. and B and B the um, the barbecue we had in Conference USA Media Days last year that was pretty good. But now that you mention it, I, I didn't even think about it. I think it was all beef. So uh, I, I think uh, you just kind of brought that to my attention that uh, that's kind of the thing down there in Texas. But uh, Joe, I'll pass it back to you, man. Close this one up. <laughs> no worries. I could listen to people talk about barbecue all day. Might have to get some once we're done here. But uh, Evan, can't thank you enough for your time. I know we're all looking forward to reading your coverage of UAB football and uh, Alabama high school sports when we eventually get sports back, hopefully sooner rather than later. But again, you can follow Evan on Twitter at Dudley Do Right AL. Uh, check out his coverage all over the internet there. Um, and if uh, you're more interested in hearing about uh, some of the stuff we're working on, checking out uh, underdogdynasty.com every day for more G5 football content. And, of course, subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. Uh, we're going to continue our deep dive next episode with uh, Corey Diaz covering Louisiana Tech Bulldog football. Oh, Corey. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> interesting, interesting fact with Corey. Me and Corey are both Alabama guys. We both went to Alabama. That's right. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have to uh, press him about that when he comes on. And we later. both held the former, and we both held the same job uh, in at the Watomka Herald in South Alabama. We were both the sports editor of the Watomka Herald at different times. I actually followed him there. Huh? How about so that? A little, a little interesting fact between me and Corey. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, people don't realize how uh, small this space is until you find little tidbits like that. I'm sure we'll, we'll ask him about that later. But uh, yeah, can't do, thank uh, all of you for listening. I know we enjoy it. And uh, come back next week for more Underdog Podcast. Uh, happy football, everybody. Stay safe out there.